Hey, you freaks. How's it going? This is episode 77 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I speak with Scott Rockus. He's a full-time freelance traveling sports photographer. He mostly travels in his van across the Northern Hemisphere, capturing events such as Red Bull's Rampage, it's an epic mountain biking competition in Utah, Destination Trails, 200-mile races, these amazing long-distance trail runs across the Pacific Northwest like the Bigfoot 200, Moab 240, and the Tahoe 200 rock climbing, and more. You can check out his photography at his website, scottrockus.com. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Man, getting to learn, learning to Scott through his work in photography and interest in outdoor sports, I recognize a common pattern that I see amongst all the interesting, ambitious, and exciting people that I've had a chance to talk to. As Scott would push himself into the uncomfortable and unknown, he'd pursue his curiosity without sacrificing it for immediate comforts. Enthralled with the adult feeling of play, he would work hard and find creative solutions to delight in his excitement. From being bound to a highly demanding career in corporations to transitioning to a traveling freelance photographer, his story is all but unattainable to the determined person pursuing their version of the most exciting form of play. What's more, Scott's pursuit of fulfillment was rife with adversity, hardship, unexpected changes, and as a result, growth. I'm going to be a little bit selfish here and recognize how helpful it is for me trying to figure out exactly what I, what I enjoy doing and how that fits in with my life, whether that's providing for my son and myself how I spend my time on the weekends and what I do for work. I never really liked that notion of, you know, I have to go to this job in order to, to provide for myself, my family. And then in the small amounts of time that I have at night and on the weekends, I get to do the things that I like. I used to resent work though. And over time, I've learned to reconcile with it, and it's changed. It's more a means to propel me to the places that I actually want to be. It's a funny thing. I look at my son, right? And he likes to play games like hide-and-seek. Sometimes, like, who am I, where you try to guess what you are based off of, you know, clues that you give, usually five. And, I mean, as adults, that's what we're playing at the highest of levels, right? whether that's rock climbing, mountain biking, doing jiu-jitsu, riding. And if you were to take away the need to support yourself or any of the expectations of how you should be spending your time, all we're doing is just pursuing what we find is exciting. And with that said... It's just right out there for all of us to reach for. If you'd like to support the episode, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. You can pick up some of our hats or shirts on becominghumanpodcast.com. And if you would like to get a website built, you can reach out to me on the website and I can help you out. If you work with me, you will get your first six months of Squarespace for free. That's right. Squarespace is easy. Why would you need me? Listen here. Six months for free. You don't get that when you go for yourself, right? And I love to write, so I can write it for you. If you're interested, just head over to the website, go to the Contact Us page, and get at me. I'd love to be able to develop some content for you and you'd be indirectly supporting the show. You can check out all of Scott's work uh, in the show notes on the website. And without any further ado, here's Scott Rockus. About 18 months ago is when I had a pretty significant injury in the mountains. Um, and I, it was day one of a two month trip where I was going to um, kind of cement or like make a name for myself in the backcountry ski and the uh, ski mountaineering industry. Uh, that was my goal. 
on day one, I lost my footing on a traverse with skis on my back and I went over, uh, I went tumbled, somersaulted, went over a cliff, blew out ACL, MCL, meniscus. And yeah, so the unhappy triad, pretty massive, um, bone bruise. And that, um, has had a great silver lining that, um, I kind of was aware of immediately when I was on the mountain there and that it's really driven a business focus to my photo work. Um, so right now, heading to Moab has been one official year that my entire income is based off of photography, uh, which is a huge milestone for me. Um, but number two, it's, I'm not really doing the type of photography that like expedition photography is where I want to go. Um, but I'm doing a lot of work now that's helping me recover and also giving me a financial base that will hopefully someday enable the expedition photography. So um, I, I break my business up into um, three parts. And one is the ultra running um, and a bit of that outdoor industry, both from an active and a lifestyle standpoint. Number two is actually I do a ton of corporate photo and video work. Um, major clients are Home Depot and General Electric, um, but I've also done work for UC Davis and a variety of other schools um, and companies. And so that work kind of keeps me, gives me a, a strong financial base. And then the third part of the business that is out there if I want to move into, but the other two are going so well. I, I had families and weddings as a third part of my business, but really the other two are going so great right now that um, I'm not doing a whole lot of family and wedding work at the moment. So kind of a long answer, but that's how things break up for me right now. Uh, before you got in your accident, have you always been a photographer? No, no. So this is um, – so – if we want like the sort of full story, if I back up to when I was late teens, my goal was always uh, work for a company that's going to give me a ton of diversity, like work really hard in school, get good grades, be involved with extracurriculars and give myself an opportunity for post university to have a selection of where I wanted to work. During that job in my 20s, I wanted a lot of diversity. I wanted to learn a bunch of business models. Because someday I want to run my own business, but I'd like to learn um, through a corporation at the time. And so I actually um, I graduated from Universal University of Illinois in 2002, and management information systems with a minor in uh, technology management. And I went straight into an IT development program with General Electric. So I spent two years rotating different places um, with a GE development program. And then I switched for two years and did financial auditing to learn the financial side and different accounting models anywhere from NBC. Like I used to audit Law & Order, Just Shoot Me, Will & Grace. Um, it was pretty interesting during that job that I had to – even though Desperate Housewives was an ABC show, I had to, it was filmed on the NBC lot and I got to walk through their set every day I went to the office to audit these other shows. And did you enjoy um, that process of auditing? No. <laughs> <laughs> did you, going into it, did you like have a thought that you might enjoy it and were you surprised that you didn't? <laughs> um, no, I, it was a necessary evil. Uh, mm -hmm. to, to a really quick education learning curve. Those two years are 80 hour work weeks. Oh. Um, yeah. And that's, that's your, your standard. You, you work eight to six, two hour break for a workout or for dinner. And then you're back eight to midnight. Um, and you work on the weekends, every other weekend you can fly back home. So I just wanted to know how large corporations worked from the financial side. So it was, mm -hmm a necessary evil. Cause then like I, I did that. I, I did um, the stuff with NBC, but then just before that I was um, helping pull together. We had just bought a mortgage company 
a consumer credit card company and a home loan company in Romania, and we were merging them all together. And I got to go in on the ground floor of that part and help them look at their accounting practices as they merge those businesses together. So it was like a kid that grew up in the cornfields of Illinois that didn't fly until his 20s to be able to go to Romania and work for several months and, and do that and then go to NBC, like that diversity and learning curve is what I was going after. Mm-hmm. Um, looking and then out of the merge it, of that. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, looking back on it, do you, do you think that that was like the, the most effective way of effective approach? Yeah, because it, it, I wouldn't have done it any differently. Um, it gave me global exposure, uh, which I hadn't had before. It gave me several different business models. It, it accelerated my learning curve and it, it accentuated what I didn't like, what I know I didn't want to do. Um, coming out of those two years auditing, I knew I didn't like auditing. I knew, um, I was kind of bored with the way that they ran the, uh, IT development program. But I saw a hole in the corporation where we weren't excelling at data analytics. And analytics is a lot of the, the merging of a financial analytical mind and the um, experience of application optimization and how to use what you have effectively within a business. So that those four years, while I didn't really enjoy the job I was doing, led to me running and building a business intelligence program that I, I led for the next um, eight years, nine years. So it was a necessary evil, and I always sort of viewed it as that, and it it ushered me into this data analytics side, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Very, very different than photography, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that you said that because I've even been in a scenario where I got offered a lead marketing and sales, and I'm like, well, I am working on starting my own business, so I'm just going to kind of use this as first-hand experience and plunge into the deep end. And it's given me a wealth of experience because it's, you know, hands-on and having to think on my feet. And I've actually realized that I don't like, you know, I've refined my understanding of what I want because of Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and over those eight to nine years that I ran that um, BI program, uh, I got to basically create it from the start, from the ground up, and it got to a point where we had other mergers um, and we grew. And at that time, I was working for a business in the oil and gas space, and the oil market tanked, right? It went from $100 a barrel to $40 a barrel. With that, we lost our capital uh, funding, right, so that we couldn't invest in new software. And what I found during those two to three years, the last three years of the company was that I loved my job when I got to do something new and create it. Like I would work a hundred hours a week. Like I just enjoyed that process of creating and doing something new, doing something challenging. Um, But when it became stagnant, when we could no longer innovate, when we could no longer improve upon the products we were delivering and it was just like hold steady for a couple of years, uh, my interest in that faded rapidly. How did you transition into photography from that? Um, so I had started shooting my, I think my first race was in 2010, um, Prison Hill in Carson City, Escape from Prison Hill in Carson City. And um, I just started growing a little bit over time. And what was first, all my gear was heavily financed or like, you know, paid for from my corporate job. The photos eventually became a way to, um, uh, the work that I was getting became a way to pay for more gear. So like it was still a loss, but everything I was starting to actually charge money. Um, and then in 2015, I met somebody else that also had an interest in traveling and I had been debating, I had had this notion in my head for five years that I'd wanted to um, take a risk 
and leave the corporate job because the thought is, well, if I'm 30 at the time and I'm loving my job and things are going great, like, can I do this for 32 more years and be happy? You know, it's like I've had a great career already for 10 years, but is this really where I want to be? But I really want a family. So it's like, let me just hold steady in this job and let the family come along. So I met somebody that wanted to travel and we really hit it off. And uh, we decided in in August of 2015 that we'd both quit our jobs and build a van, take two years and drive from Alaska to Patagonia. Was that hard for you to get to that uh, decision? Well, yeah. I mean, it took me – once I found what I – thought at the time was the right person. It wasn't that hard, but I didn't have enough guts to do it to just outright leave my job. I'd been in this, I'd been in this sort of in-between state for four to five years of like, ah, you know, I, I just, now's my time to take a risk. I'm young thirties. I, I, I've worked a corporate life for a while. So I have a back, a financial backstop. I don't have a family or kids. Like I can rent my house. Now's the time for me to, you know, take this chance. But I just couldn't do it um, until I had somebody to go take that risk with. Would you Would you be able to relate um, your love for uh, innovation? You know, when you're in the corporate position, right? For also yeah. your love of uh, new scenarios and adventure and travel. Like, can, wouldn't that be like a very similar thread? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I had done, um, kind of mixing the two was, uh, I can say this safely now because my boss is retired. My whole <laughs> boss is retired. But, like, um, at one point I just I said, hey, guys, I'm going to work East Coast hours next week. And so instead of doing the same job in the same location, I just went down to Peru for a month. And yep, I worked East Coast hours. I, but I just was happened to be in hostels and working, working the job from Peru. <laughs> so it was, read, like Tim Ferriss's um, stuff, like the four hour work week at the time. No, I actually haven't. Uh uh-uh. I've, I've heard of the book and I've heard these things, but I haven't actually. I read that. The the other thing I did was uh, when I had built the van, the first van that I owned, um, I, you know, the, the company was in a, like a really strong T&L freeze. The oil and gas market was, um, the travel and living freeze and the oil and gas market was hurting. So I just loaded my full drum set in my van. It was half built and drove across the country, drove from California to Florida and up to Vermont. And for three months, I worked on the road and visited a whole bunch of our plants along the way. Yeah. And uh, my, I called my boss one day and I said, hey, just you know, to let you know, we had a bomb scare in Florida and I'm fine. And he paused and he just goes, Florida? And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm in Florida. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't approve. I didn't approve that. I was like, don't worry. I paid for everything on my own. I'm I'm out here. I drove out here. He's like, what? You you drove to Florida? And I was just like, yeah. It's don't worry. Like it's fine. I'm visiting all of our plants along the way. I'm meeting everybody. I'm training people. I'm doing it all on my own dime. He's just like, he just paused. I can't imagine that's a normal thing for a boss to hear. He's just like, I'm just worried. I'm going to have a dead employee on the side of the road. And I was like. Yeah, don't worry. I can sleep wherever I go. I got a big bed in my van. So, yeah. So, like, a couple of stories to highlight that when when innovation was stagnant at the office, I sought it elsewhere. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a cool, like, uh, you know, life of adventure. That's something that, that I've always aspired to and I'm actively working towards. But, you know, from the outside, like, even just looking at your photography work, like, it it seems uh, hard to attain, but from the sound of you know your experience, just one step after another. Yeah, you have to take a long road look at it. A lot of the things that we do is a short turnaround, and 
especially in the corporate world, we're conditioned to a less than two year, you know, return on investment and this and that. But it's a it's a steady process, and it's one that um, the development of my eye and the development of my my photo work isn't something that I've rushed. I've just sort of taken it in step and taken it in time and um I've just sort of I wanna say lucky, but it's been a lot of hard work to especially like these two hundreds are kind of my think tank, my sort of breeding ground is why I like these events so much. because um, I get so much time to work on some different ideas. Um but yeah, it's just it's a it's a long road and um that's why I keep on telling people that want to get into photography is just shoot just shoot a lot just don't stop like if I see when I started getting better because you can see all the photos you shoot each year it's when I went from shooting 10,000 photos a year to 40,000 photos a year to 150,000 photos a year and you do that jump over three years and you're going to start to see your work get better What kind of resources did you use to develop as a photographer? Was it strictly um, volume and just taking whatever experience came? So the the number one thing, uh, well, when I first started out, I bought seven books, read them with my camera in hand, and went straight to shooting various settings of manual. So I started first with aperture priority, then shutter priority. Um, and then like, I did that for years. And then I switched over to shooting full manual. So, like, just learning the original nuts and bolts, I did it straight through book learning because at the time, YouTube wasn't super big yet. There wasn't much out there, and uh, bandwidth wasn't as accessible. And But the number one thing that pushed me and gave me the drive was in 2010, I went to um, – I'm going to get the – oh, the Summit Workshops. It's in Jackson, and I went to the Adventure Photography Workshop. Um, excuse me. It's an incredible workshop. It's at the time that I did it, 2010, it was about 20, 25 people. And we had the editor of National Geographic. We had the photo editor from the North Face. And we had five full-time Nat Geo photographers for six days. And you shoot sunrise, middle of the day, maybe sunset. Um, you get to choose three photos each day. And uh, they anonymously were shown up on a screen. And then the students wouldn't say anything, but the photo editors and the photographers would all talk about the images. So you got to go out and shoot rafting, or you got to go shoot mountain biking, and you got to see what 24 other photographers shot in that exact same scenario and then critique it. And I came away from those six days thinking I'm nowhere near as good as the the people. And two of the um, women that were in our group are now Nat Geo's top 10 adventure women photographers. Um, I know it's a a humbling week, but at the same time, you got to put things in perspective and be like, well, they've been shooting for years. They went to school to shoot some of them. I was in the middle of the road. And so I came away from that workshop and I came back and I bought gear. I learned how to shoot remote lighting and I started looking for anything that would pay or anything that would give me experience. So just going out to my friends and family. And I would say that that workshop, hands down, was the the um, thing that pushed my photography forward to actually turn it into a potential career. When you walked away from that workshop, were you immediately motivated and, and gracious about uh, you know getting better, or were you discouraged initially? It's a good question because it can be very intimidating. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, one of the athletes we photographed that week was Tommy Caldwell. Oh, and it's like, <laughs> it's like I've got Tommy in front of my camera. I, I should be able to do something interesting, but it's like I, I'm not skilled enough to. Like, you just don't get that opportunity, really. 
um, to have athletes like that. Uh, Kit, I might say her name wrong, but Kit Flores, I think she's skied off of Everest and a whole bunch of other stuff. She, whoa, we photographed her mountain biking. So, um, I did not come away discouraged. I came away and bought new equipment right away and went to work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But that, 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 um, workshop is incredible. And it, I think the cost has gone up, but for the time it was like 1600 bucks. And mm-hmm. I had to borrow a thousand from my brother to go to it. Um, but it was well worth the interest-free loan from my brother. <laughs> yeah. How did you determine that that would be the, uh, a workshop to go to? Is that known in the photography or outdoor photography industry is like one of the best places to, you know, to, to learn from? Uh, or did you use your own metrics? I used my own metrics. I didn't have a network in photography at all in 2010. Um, I, I just... I was a little bored at work and just Googled a lot. And, um, you know, I don't know. Jackson was a place I wanted to visit. Uh, It seemed pretty legit, being that it was sponsored by National Geographic and by Nikon. And the other thing that was cool was that um, they had their Nikon tech there. So, like, the entire gear lineup from Nikon was at your disposal to use, or at least, you know, 80 90% of it. So, you had... You could use their big DSLRs, you could, um, you know, their pro bodies, you could use a whole suite of lenses and um, all kinds of stuff. So I don't know. I just stumbled upon it from Google searches. And, yeah, I definitely felt like a fish out of water. I, But you've just got to get over that fact and you just got to start working. You know, you got to... Constantly, I mean, Instagram's awful for this right now, but you constantly got to say, okay, well, I'm not on the level playing field. Like these other people, they're already published in magazines. They're already getting paid work. It's like, I'm here, my sole purpose, I got to run my race. I'm here to evaluate whether or not I think I could pursue this as a profession or or it's just going to be a hobby. I, from even my experience, I'd argue that that's almost the best scenario to be in is when you feel like, for lack of a better word, the dumbest person in the room or the least uh, equipped person in the room in terms of skills. It, it, like from my experience, when I've done jujitsu, right, I would go and start doing like seminars with black belts, people who've been training uh, probably four times the amount that I have. And what I realized is, is they they set my expectations like tenfold, and once I was able to set those, once I just naturally set those expectations and I knew it was possible, I just started growing um, exponentially more. Yeah. Yep, indeed. And there was, there's a, there's a good harrow. So there's, if you take that point and it was, um, uh, I came away where I thought I was in the middle of the pack. And so I, I made the choice to start, to get nicer gear and to start seeking out some jobs that would pay or at least more things to shoot. So fast forward a few years, um, that year that January, 2016, no, April, 2015. Um, when I started, when I had just met this girl and I was starting to have this idea of, um, you know, maybe there's a future where I could be a photographer and like, we could have this, business thing going in the future. I put my name in the hat for a photo shoot to be in the photo shoot. Um, and I got selected for it. It was for Life Straw. And it was in Yosemite over a few days. And I spent those few days being on the talent, the model, whatever. I spent the time being in front of the camera. And at the same time, kind of evaluating everything that the photographer is doing just to see, like, how far have I come in these five years? So I feel like I've come far enough that I could do what he's doing on that side of the camera. And I came away from that weekend shoot being like, yeah, I think I can. I, I think uh, he's like uh, the photographer is Adam Barker and he's incredible and very successful in the industry. So I couldn't obviously jump right in and do what he's doing, but 
I watched him and saw how the whole thing worked, and I thought uh, that's that's now attainable for me. Or like five years ago, I was blown out of the water. Like I didn't even know how to use flashes, you know, or whatever. It's but fast forward those those five years. That's why I say like the return on investment's not you not always just two years. You've got to think long. So over those five years, watching Adam work, I thought. You know, I'm clearly not where he's at there, but if I started investing my time into it like it was my job, um, then, yeah, I, I think I could get there. Mm-hmm. So that, that helps give me some motivation to uh, to put in that resignation letter. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was when you, uh, leading up to when you put in that resignation letter. I'm oh, sorry, what was that? Uh, I said in that moment was uh, what was leading up to when you put in your resignation. Oh, letter. yeah. So things were, yeah. So I just met the girl. I had, I had gotten on like uh, this side of the camera to see what it was like for him. And then uh, it still took me four months. Um, I put in the resignation letter in August and to like keep the bridges strong as possible. I gave four months of time. So I didn't leave the job until January. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a long transition time so we could plan because it, it was a program that I had built. So it was, I wanted to give it as long of time to transfer knowledge and stuff so that the business was fine when I left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Played the long game and played it really smart so that you did you know, you had a backup plan essentially, as opposed to, you know, next day or next month, just jumping into it. Yeah, no, yeah. Play, playing the long game. And it, it, it proved to be necessary because when I came off the mountain in 2017 and knew that I was looking at significant time before I could walk normally again, uh, the very next day I called uh, my colleagues back at the office and said, do you guys have any work that I could come back and do as a consultant? Cause I need to find a gap. You know, I, I've got six months to fill here before I can take on more photo work. Um, can I, is there room for me to come back in? And sure enough, uh, they got me in as soon as they could. So keeping those relationships open and being respectful of the companies you work with, um, you know, will help out in the long run. And, and I imagine it's a testament to how well you do anything is how well you do everything. Um, you're building those relationships, right? It makes it easier as a photographer um, to be able to maintain relationships with other photographers or other, you know, people within your industry. Yeah, exactly. That's That's been a big um, focus for me in the last year, um, and which is hard because getting back to that expedition stuff, like that's, that's where a lot of my photography was born and doing trips and expedition style stuff um, in a variety of sports from biking to swimming to uh, some climbing stuff to the ultra endurance stuff. But I can't do that right now. So like it's been a little bit of a struggle to build the relationships that I want to build when I can't get outdoors and play. But um, I've found, um, I've actually found myself focusing more on the human connection in the last year, year and a half since this accident. And I've actually um, welcomed in far more photographers that I can call friends now. And so recently when I had a job that I ended up not being able to handle and and fill, uh, I had a network of other photographers I could reach out to and talk with. And it makes this so much more of a, community effort, not just be out here trying to, you know, figure out this life on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice a, a different quality in uh, in just your experience when you have that community or to be more straightforward, did you ever experience a sense of loneliness during your travels? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly... It certainly is lonely. I mean, I've been living in a van for almost three years now. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and the other part is uh, there's probably 
unless it's been back home in Illinois where my family is or around the injury time frame, I don't know that I've spent two weeks in the same location for the last three years. Um, How do you feel about that? (laughs) It kind of goes back to the audit staff days. It's a necessary evil. I I feel like what I'm living right now is that um, that fully consuming life to to really prove out this business to myself and prove out that this can be a way of life and not just uh, an idea. Um, so I know I need to go through it, but I feel like I'm midway through the hardest part of it. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting stability. You know, I, I miss having a group of friends that I can go biking with on a Tuesday um, or, you know, Tuesday night after work or go to a coffee shop and see a bunch of friends I know. So it's it's definitely this, – this is the downside, right? I mean, being on the road that much, not having a central sense of community, a central sense of routine um, can be hard. On the flip side – no matter where I go, I know somebody, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because they, uh, let's see, when was I in, uh, recently after Bigfoot 200, I went up to Squamish Mm -hmm. and, um, I had ran into, uh, somebody up there just really briefly two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah. So it was two years ago. Um, and sure enough, like through Instagram, I had put on that I was coming up that way and we reconnected and hung out quite a bit that week. So it gives me um, a lot more opportunity to meet other people and other athletes and other photographers in person. Mm, ooh, that's cool. And, and that's really why I'm doing the band stuff right now, because I want to be not at a house and then taking a trip and then being like, Oh gosh, I really need to get back home to do this. I want to be there and fully committed to being there in that location and being present in that location. And this particular life is perfect for that. (laughs) That's where like, uh, as someone who's just starting um, to build a lifestyle um, around travel, that that's something that I've wondered if I've romanticized is the ability to freely travel without, you know, having essentially a home base that I'm at most of the year. Um, and I, I would think about that and have not having the routines and what that would be like. And it's just interesting listening to someone else's experience on it, you know, because I knew that there was probably caveats that I was unaware of. Yeah. And it depends on how you're going to do it. Like, um, the van life thing is certainly makes it easier and uh while it's financially expensive up front, your your costs going forward are a little bit more manageable. Um, it's getting a little harder with so many vans out there. Um but you're very often searching for a place to park and sleep at night. You might be uncomfortable, um so you might not get a great night's sleep. You're the uh, looking for coffee shops to work from. Well, this coffee shop doesn't have outlets here. Or this coffee shop has bad Wi-Fi. Like it's, it, it gets frustrating at times because like, Oh shoot, I really need to get these photos uploaded. Oh, this town library is not open on Monday. Okay. So let me go to a coffee shop. Well, this coffee shop's Wi-Fi is super slow. And I always feel like I need to buy something. So I just, you know, buy a needless cookie. And now I'm snacking all the time. And, I don't know the local trails I can go explore, but I don't have a whole lot of time right now to go explore. Uh, so I'm just going to skip the run and eat junk food and gain weight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'm tired of cooking meals three times a day and my fridge doesn't store that much food. And like the list goes on. There, there's, there's definitely a non-romantic side of it um, for sure. And as easy as you can meet certain people the introduction is usually broken by having a body of work so it's very easy for me to contact people through instagram and they see my work they're like oh yeah he's a legit 
person. Like, let me see what he's in town. Let me catch up and talk to him. And so I feel like that helps my introduction sometimes to meeting people in random places. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that makes things interesting. When I had the job and I worked in the cubicle every day, mm-hmm. um, people would ask me like, oh, you know what you do? What did you do last week or how was that trip last month? And now, like, if you ask me how was, you know, what did you do last month? I'm going to sit here and write it out because mm-hmm. I first got to think, well, okay, like, that's like five locations to go. Uh, the weather was like, it takes me a minute because you, you just stack up so many, such a variety of experiences. That's definitely a romantic side to the, to the travel. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's a value assessment in the end, right? Where you're always weighing uh, the things that you have to compromise in order to get what you, what you believe is a, is a quality experience, right? Like, I mean, even in yeah. like trail running, right? Like trail running, you, you have to embrace the weather. I'm sure no one loves like extreme cold weather or delirium, <laughs> you know, like, or maybe some people too, but, um, and you, you do that, like, uh, that assessment and whether or not, like, it, it's worth it to continue on or even, you know, photography. Like, sometimes you, you don't make all the money, right? But it, it's like the experience in and of itself. It, is that worth it to you? Cause I've, I've met like friends and, uh, once again, in like grappling jujitsu, right? Um, I have a friend right now and he went to Switzerland because they paid his way out there so that he can go and train them. And my thoughts like, Dude, that's like the most exciting kind of offer that that, that I could ask for, right? However, he's yeah. like one back minded, wake up, uh, do submission wrestling or jujitsu and then go to sleep and rinse lather and repeat and he's like, I just want to be home and I don't I couldn't even fathom that because I get restless so easily. Um hmm. and that's that cost analysis. It took me a long time, to, or not cost analysis, but it's just the value assessment. It took me a long time to understand that because I, I thought that, you know, a lot of people would just well, love to travel. They just don't know it yet. And then as I got to know more and more people who have thoroughly explored, like, options within their life, I reconsidered and just thought, like, oh, I really value these experiences. I value, like, my idea of adventure at all costs, essentially. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It's um um my parents, they got married when they were nineteen. Uh and they flew to the Poconos from Illinois for their honeymoon. Their next flight was thirty years later to visit oh. me in Dallas. You know, their their cost benefit, their their ratio was family. And mm-hmm. Plane tickets are expensive, so we're just going to camp. So that's where I grew up outdoors all the time was camping around the Midwest. Um, and for whatever reason, for me, like, um, I'll say it far too often, but like a family is super important and I'd love to have a family. And I really want that and look forward to that. And like, that's a part of life and blah, 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 all that. But at the same time, I'm not getting off the road anytime soon. So those two just kind of. <laughs> you know, don't go hand in hand very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, but yeah. Yeah. And you're aiming to be an expedition photographer, um, or that that's what you ultimately want to do, right? What does it look like to be an expedition photographer? What's, what's different from that from what you're doing now? Um, So right now, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is all um, aside from the 200s, uh, because those are a unique thing. But like the other events, they're more just like day of type things. Um, The 200s get that direction, like if they start to head towards that multi-day expedition type thing. But it's still quite luxurious for me because I have this fully kitted out van that I've built specifically set up for these 200s um, that if I need three hours of sleep, I've got a nice bed, all my gears here, I've got charged stuff. So the next thing for me is adding two levels of discomfort. One, 
logistical discomfort. And then two, um, a little more physical discomfort to the process. I mean, the main discomfort of the Tao 200 is uh, just like algae typically hike 45 to 50 miles of the course. Um, but that's, it's hiking with a 45 pound pack or 40 pound pack. So it's not mm-hmm. terribly discomfort. The main discomfort at Tahoe is just sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Um, the expedition stuff that I would like to get into is a little bit more remote. Um, I wouldn't say more of a story because Tahoe is just, or not Tahoe, the 200s in general are just so filled with, with just like heart shattering stories from the runners. Like, the story level is the same, but I want to build that story over a two to three week time instead of a four day time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to think. I haven't had a lot of, of that work before, like that has spanned more than four days. Um, the, the hard part of it is that. I do want a family. And if I go down that road of really, really dedicating myself to expedition photography, as you'll see with a lot of um, successful Nat Geo photographers, um, their divorce rate is enormous. (laughs) It's like, they showed us a slide and I think it was like 75 or 80%. It was insane. It was, it was like, there's 50% is a national average and like, my generation, it's like 65%, and then Nat Geo photographer was just insane. <laughs> and so the expedition <laughs> stuff sounds like really challenging and like really creative and really difficult, and those are all the things that I gravitate towards. But those are the, uh, like that style of life in photography is going to uh, make a, a future family relationship very difficult. So mm-hmm. I had to step back and really so. When I injured myself um, on Mount Williamson, I had five hours to wait for the helicopter to come pick me up. Um, That's when I sort of restructured everything in my life that I wanted to do. I set out a plan. Um, I was very thankful that I didn't have one other bruise or anything. Um, I just had a useless leg for a while. Um, And I had to ask, I had to answer the question to myself there. And it was, do you want to be a photographer because adventure photography is sexy? This, you know, the sexy side of it, that that cool hip side, not hip, but whatever. <laughs> but the cool, like, in like very whatever side of photography. Or do you, do you just want a life in photography? Mm-hmm. And it was very clear at that time that I want to be a photographer. I, I want to be involved in some level of photography where it's like, Maybe I shoot hard for 10 years and I work into an art director or, you know, a photo editor or something like that. But I want to be in this world of creating all of the time. Um, and so, well, expedition stuff is something that would be a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. I still question myself physically because I'm not there to be able to handle um, and trust my knee for the exhibition style stuff that I want to do. Uh, it's more important for me to be just behind and involved with a camera. Mm-hmm. When you were waiting, um, the helicopter, was that a hard conclusion to come to? Uh, I wept several times that ski photography would be years away. That was hard. Years. Like, I might set out most of my third ski season in a row now. Yeah, so, I mean, that was number one. Backcountry skiing was my favorite sport. Ultra running was second. Uh, Well, mountain biking and ultra running were kind of in a tie there. Um, but backcountry skiing was my, it was my thing. It's what I loved. I was on a search and rescue team. Um, and it, for, for a while there, when I was kind of evaluating what careers I would potentially want to have, becoming a ski guide was one of the careers. 
Um, and once I got into being involved with search and rescue, I decided, okay, this is just a hobby. This isn't something I want to do full time for life. Uh, the, the thing I knew about photography is as soon as I got the camera in my hand and started shooting, I never wanted to stop. I wanted mm-hmm. to just keep creating. So it's kind of my trigger that I would be happy to work and that wasn't going to be just a hobby. But yeah, backcountry skiing in particular was, um, was a big thing for me. I didn't start skiing until I was 27 when I moved out to Tahoe. So it was a late, late bloomer, but, um, picked it up pretty quickly and went right into, I did three hard years at the resort to really build my legs and then, uh, fell every single day for 50 (laughs) days, 60 days of ski season. And finally, by the end of the year three, I was skiing. Um, harder lines, linking turns and not falling. And I was like, oh, I think I'm getting it finally. You know, it's that, it's that long look to things and like just being comfortable sucking for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, the bills. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just got to know where you're at and know where you want to go. So it's hard. It's still hard. Like I thought I would be in shape to, to start shooting again in the winter this year. And then, you know, that would get me looks for next year. And then that might get me hired the year after that. So it's like, you got to think in seasons and think that even if I had a good shooting year this year, I'm still not going to really get hired to shoot until another year out. So it's a, again, a long view, but I started running in June. Um, and from all things it points to, as I retore my meniscus. Cool. So I, I started back in more aggressive rehab two weeks ago. And I'm just not thrilled with how the knee's responding. Um, and that's, that's the hardest part with this. I, um, you know, I worked the corporate thing for a long time and had healthcare plan and, you know, people complain this and that with the different healthcare plans. And then you leave that world and you lose money for two years and you're on the government plans. You don't really get a choice when something major happens. You know, not everybody takes that. And so the surgery that I had, I think it's fine, but I don't know. I didn't really have the funds to spend uh, whatever it was. 40, 50, 60 grand to get the surgery done. Um, you know, it's uh, it's hard. And uh, the follow-up to all of this, uh, the knee stuff hasn't been great from the doctor that I had and uh, doing a lot of trade deals with PTs to get myself through to kind of control the PT costs because, you know, surgery was 19 months ago. Um and I'm still having complications and I don't feel like I have a great plan that I can just go in. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so it, that, that part of it's been difficult is that, uh, the knee's not at a spot that I can ski and get back to doing what I love to do. Yeah. And so you haven't done, but I mean, that's life. Like, right. You things that things come up that, that are out of your control and they start to alter your goalposts and make you reconsider, you know, at least for now, um, what you can do that's exciting. And I, I don't know, I, I as like, as a father, right. I come a single dad and I've kind of gotten into sports late in life, like the ultra running and grappling. Mm-hmm. And some of these things I have to compromise on. Like I can't ultra run as much as I'd like, like as much as I could grapple because I mean, what, I don't know what I'm going to do with my son in that sense. And while I'm not injured, I'm having to compromise on what I like and, and what excites me rather and what gives my life, not to be dramatic, but like, like meaning, you know, like what makes me want to get up out of bed, what, what I'd want to commit my time to. But I'm, I can't necessarily do all of these things the way that I want to because of my current circumstances. So I'm having to figure out and compromise you know, um, what would make me, what would be a quality life today or what would be a quality mm-hmm. life within the year, you know? Yeah. I, I can relate to you on that point, at least. I mean, I'm not injured. Um, however, it can be really hard when, when you're, you're, you know, you're, so to speak, held back um, from doing those things that, that you ultimately love. But 
I mean, that's yeah. life for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've been very fortunate, incredibly fortunate in my experiences. And um, when I when I fell off the mountain and uh, I was waiting for a helicopter, I was just like, all right, I get it. Like, I'm going to settle down and, and run this thing as a business. The first two years, like the first year, 2016, was kind of lost in a headspace of I'm supposed to be traveling to driving down to Patagonia with this girl, but now like that fell through in week three. So it's like, Oh, where's my life going? And then 2017, um, I had, uh, you know, I had that knee injury straight away out the gate and, uh, it's just part of life. And I think what I didn't expect, what caught me off guard was I had, uh, I had set three goals when I left the business. It's like, these are the three things that, are going to work out that's going to make this whole risk in this endeavor worth it. And that was one, I'm going to have so much free time that I'll have the best fitness of my life. I'll have a photo career that's budding and starting and I'll have a relationship that's going to last the rest of my life. <laughs> and within the first month, all of that was gone. <laughs> all of it was gone. Financially, like, uh, the van needed $5,000 of repairs. Um, and chasing this relationship, I spent $5,000 in the Caribbean. I was like, holy shit, like, that, like, I didn't save that much money to go travel on. Um, the photography stuff, like, I took some good photos in the Caribbean, but I didn't do half of what I wanted to do because things were falling apart. And then in a mad dash to uh, to prep for the five weeks in the Caribbean, I uh, I managed to somehow delete four months of photos, including the client shoot that I had just shot. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's a great start to my photo career. Um, and yeah, the relationship failed in week three. We went to different islands, and I was like, I didn't expect for this to happen. And then. Uh, oh yeah, fitness-wise, I had uh, I run a 50 miler a few months earlier, and then I had pulled my back when I was moving out of the house, um, like the final move out. And then when that settled down, it tripped my SI joint, and now every time I bent over, my SI joint would unlock, and so I couldn't bend, I couldn't sit. I was like in the Caribbean, but not able to move very well. And there's no doctors. I wasn't, I wasn't in a nice Caribbean. I was traveling through a bunch of smaller local islands and there just wasn't, you know, a, a medicine infrastructure there, medical infrastructure there to, to get myself fixed. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was tough, but, um, in the moment, yeah, in a moment like that, uh, what was your self-talk like? Like, um, what kind of coping skills did you use? Food? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> um, let me think about that. It definitely was hard. Mm. Um, but I was committed to doing the van thing and I was committed to photography. Um, so I was doing the jobs that I had booked, but like, you have to find the humor in it. I think if I, if I remember back to what I was thinking, um, is that like one of those things happens, it's just kind of annoying. Like I delete the client's photos ah, that was stupid, that's annoying, I'll learn from it. Uh, you know, the relationship fails, the van fails, the the your body is falling apart. It's just like, you just got to sort of laugh and be like, you know, it's not that bad. I'm still just 36, like 35, 36. It's not um, all that bad, but it's just like, what's the chances that I debate on taking a risk for five years, I take that risk, I, I set the goals that I want to get out of it and it gets blown out of the water within the first four weeks that I pursue <laughs> it. It's like, it could have been written any better than that. That's how it's supposed to be. So, um, and the other thing is I didn't expect it to, 
to last for so long. Because eventually, you know, I got the I got my outside joint and muscles structure back in order. Um, and then my birthday, August fifth, I was up in um, British Columbia, and I never worked my birthday, at least before. Now I think I work my birthday every year, but I would never work my birthday, and so, so I always try and do at least three sports. And so that day I went, I did a 18 mile run, 5,000 feet again to Panoramic Ridge. Uh, just north of Squamish, and that was the longest run I'd been able to do since the 50 miler the year before. Uh, I went kiteboarding um, over lunch down in the water Ooh. in Squamish, and then I went for a mountain bike ride at sunset. Oh, what? Yeah, so like that's what I would normally do, and like everything came back around. That was that was I was back. I was active. Um, the photo stuff was coming along. I just shot a whole bunch of my mountain bike work for a month. Um, and it was great. Things were wonderful. And I was, felt like I was on a path moving forward. I'd gotten through the worst of it. Two days later, I mountain biked with a random person I met on the road. And, uh, I'm a trail biker. I'm not a bike park person. So I'm at the bike park. I hit a jump. I don't land it. And I break six bones in my foot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm gonna stop playing now. And I, I see the signs. I'm gonna stop playing and I'm gonna focus on the business because I'm losing a lot of money right now. So uh but five weeks later I was shooting Tahoe two hundred that year and what, nine weeks later after nine weeks after the accident I was skiing like forcing my foot in a boot mm-hmm. instead of uh, cause Tahoe got early snow that year. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, it's just, um, uh, I, I looked back at all those events that happened in January, 2016 and just kind of laughed at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that resilience is important in all things. And like, it's awesome to see someone who, who like, you know, so to speak, risked it all and left the, the comfortable job. And, and despite the challenges that you faced, I mean, you continued, you continued on and you grew so much as a photographer and you have all these cool experiences. Like it's, you know, like persevering through it all. And like perseverance seems so critical in, in your, uh, your experience as a photographer. Yeah. There's, um, a guy that, I ran into just, um, again, like making yourself present, like going into a store and just hanging out with that store staff for a while. Uh, Alpago Sports in Tahoe City is like second family to me. I just would go in there and hang out, and Brendan will introduce me to people that come in and introduce me to a photographer one time that came through. And, um, coming to find out, like he shoots for New York Times, this and that, and I was just like, that's huge. That's, you know, like, how did you do it? Like, what is, what is your experience? And that's one thing I've always done is try and, uh, of course, like befriend, listen to learn from people that are successful in the industry. Right. Especially one like photography that has relatively low barriers to entry. And, uh, he just kind of laughed and he's just like, I lived on my wife, Sally for 18 years, but I made it. (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh so and then i ran into like in another wedding expo conference i talked to a bunch of photographers there and made friends with one guy and he said yeah he had left the industry for 10 years and he goes the the biggest names you see out there right now he's like i was shooting alongside those guys 20 years ago but i took 10 years off and I did, you know, he's like, so whatever, he's like, my advice to you is whatever you do, no matter how hard it gets, just persevere. Keep keep at it. Like, just keep pushing. Life's going to get rough. But if you build up stories, the network, body of work, like all that stuff, he's like, you're going to be in a better spot five, ten years from now than you are right now. So if you can make it work. Just keep pushing. And it was close. Like, it it was, it's still close. If I wasn't selling my house, um, there'd be a huge 
uh, stress and concern financially. I think that's one of the main things that's hard. That's one of the the biggest risks um, that's hardest to get over and do something like this Um, because I have lost a lot of money the first two years. Third year is finally starting to come around, Um, but it was not the most in the short term. It's not the, <laughs> any return on investment financially, um, but you got to learn to believe in yourself and just keep on pushing through it. Mm-hmm. Scott, uh, is there anywhere that anyone can check out your work? Yes. Um, ScottRocus.com is my main website. If you mm-hmm. haven't been there before, um, you'll love the photos and some of the variety on there. If you have been there before, I will update the content as soon as these 200 milers are complete. Um, Instagram, I'm listed as Rokus Photo, um, but I think if you search Scott Rokus, you'll come up with me as well. Um, specifically to the 200s, uh, run200photos.com is um, all the photos we shoot out there. And then Facebook. The beauty of my name is I don't know that anybody else is named Scott Rokus. I've never come across that person. So uh, it's pretty easy to find me, and um, I welcome the contact, although it will be a little bit um, delayed during the 200-mile time frame. By the sounds of uh, your experience at the 200-milers, it sounds like you put an immense amount of work into it. Yeah, I was thinking, I was kind of calculating it all in. It's basically 17 days of work for us, oh. for me. Dang. That's yeah. incredible, man. And you, uh, seeing people like you and getting to know people like you, it, uh, it really changes the level of work that I put into, into the things that I want to pursue, you know? And I appreciate your time, Scott. Yeah, no problem. That's, um, that's, that's, Good to hear because it's it's just funny because it's like I'm just like small me just doing the thing that I love. So it's cool that it's kind of other people are learning about it and it's resonating with them because I'm just doing what I love to do. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can go and check out Scott on Instagram at Rockus Photo and also on his website, scottrockus.com. I'll be sure to leave all those links in the show notes. And I got the links in the show notes for that photography summit that he'd mentioned. Uh, man, it's so cool to be able to talk with people and listen to their stories, such as Scott. These kind of people that I admire with the lives that, that I, I'd want to lead, uh, with the caveats included. If you'd like to support the show, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it. And you can also pick up a hat or shirt on the website, becominghumanpodcast.com. And if you're looking to make a website, I know Squarespace is easy as hell. Why would you need me to make you a website? Well, I can write pretty well. <laughs> and if you go through me, you get six months free with Squarespace. Six months free? What? I know, right? Crazy deal. If you're interested, uh, feel free to go to the contact me page on my website, becominghumanpodcast.com, or reach out to me on social media. Thank you guys for listening, and till next week, <laughs> bye.